0: Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So, uh, yeah, like Daddy said, uh, we'll get as far as we we uh, can. We might uh, survey some things and may go back to some other things. Um, so I think it's always good. It's it's always good for me to go back and uh, get perspective, uh, as especially if I've been off for a few weeks. I like to kind of remind myself uh, where we are in, in our in our teaching and. Uh, going back to, I think it was like November of last year when we started Isaiah, um, that first chapter of Isaiah talks about some of the big themes that get reflected in the whole rest of the book. And some of those big themes have been, um, like the first one we spent a long time was, was Isaiah telling the people, you have sinned too much and too long. And what's with all those idols? Seriously? With the idols? You know, there was a lot about idols. Um, there was word that judgment is coming, right? And judgment is coming. And in the form of various kings who uh, waged uh, war against them. And then there was judgment is here. Uh, the exile and so forth. And in these, um, in these last uh, sections, we had, um, I want to restore you. You know, there's there's going to be a group, uh, a remnant, uh, uh, that uh, I want to restore, and we're going to make things right again. And in in recent uh, oh a dozen or so chapters, this concept of um, as part of this process of restoring is going to be. Um, uh, I want you to have some confidence and some peace, and I want to comfort you. And the the uh, conduit of that comfort is my servant. And we've heard a lot about the servant, uh, wrapping up in chapter 53, of course, um, Jesus. And you can be comforted because the servant is is for you, is really for you. And then uh, chapter 54, uh, that Daddy uh, introduced us to last week, um, is uh, kind of starts a, a new section, a new section. And uh, one commentator said that, uh, uh, described it this way that the servant obediently finished his work on earth, and today he is at work in heaven, interceding for God's people. But what are the consequences of his sacrifice? What difference does it make that he endured all that suffering? Chapter 54 says the difference it makes to Israel is this concept of restoration. And we'll we'll look at, just briefly, chapter 54 again, from the concept of how God is restoring Israel. That leads us to 55, where we'll uh, focus mostly on today, which is how God wants to restore the rest of his kingdom, uh, uh, the Gentiles, that is. And then, starting with about halfway through chapter 56, toward most of the rest of Isaiah is... And what about you that haven't believed yet? Uh, what's, what's there for you? And here we have Isaiah returning once again to the concept of, you know, you've got a great offer on the table. You should really take it. Because justice demands that that, that you will receive punishment uh, if you don't take this wonderful offer on the table. So that's kind of Isaiah in uh, three minutes. There, um, you might wonder why it's taken us so long. So, um, so let's look briefly at chapter fifty-four. Um, uh, I thought one commentator did a good job of summarizing this: that that the concept of restoration, first of all, is a restoration of joy. If you look at the first verse of of chapter 54, it says, Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no children. This concept of um, uh, being childless uh, was talked about, and this was not uh, a good position to be uh, back in the day. And he's saying, you know, um, this isn't you anymore. You need to get ready, because great blessings are going to come your way. Uh, So much so that you need bigger tents. And bigger tents require stronger guy wires and cords. And bigger cords require deeper pegs in the ground. There is a a greater blessing uh, coming for you. Um, There is going to be restoration of your joy. And then in coming with that, there's going to be restoration of fruitfulness. As I just said, your blessings. Blessings. Huge blessings under this new and big tent. And then beginning in verse 5 and on down, uh, we have a restoration of your confidence that, um, you know, God's in charge of all this. Um, if you look at uh, verse 5, it says, for your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, even like a wife of of one's youth when she is rejected. Verse 7, an interesting verse. It says, You know, for a brief moment, for a brief moment, I forsook you, but now with great compassion I will gather you. Verse 8, In an outburst of anger I hid my face from you, but now... With everlasting loving kindness, I will have compassion on you. So he's saying, I, I want to restore you, and he's specifically talking to uh, the nation of Israel. And we have this reflection back, um, verse 9, For this is like the days of Noah to me, when I swore that the waters of Noah shall not flood the earth again. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, nor will I rebuke you. Though the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, my loving kindness shall not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. So I must admit I kind of struggled with this passage because clearly the intent of these words is to give comfort to these people, Uh, the people that are coming back from exile and are going to experience um, a rebirth of sorts, a, a renewal, a rebuilding. We know that... Uh, The city was rebuilt, Um, but we know that that Israel's story hasn't been finished yet, right? And and there's been some really bad things that have happened since then. So, you know, when it says, you know, I'm going to have my face from you, and um, or or rather, I'm going, uh, I hid my face from you, but but now I'm going to have compassion on you and. It goes down to um, verse 14. In righteousness you will be established. You will be far from oppression. You will not fear. And from terror it will not come near you. So that's one thing to hear if you're a Jew having been removed from exile and now you're being settled back in Jerusalem. And now you can say, okay, God is with us. He's he's not going to let us down he's going to continue to be with us from now on how do but how does a Jew hear that when you're having to wear the star back in the 40s and they're collecting up the Jews and you know how does how does that sound right I mean that's kind of hard and we think about the various persecutions um, even before then, you know, um, Jerusalem was destroyed again in 70 AD by the Romans, right? There was huge persecution after that. How does a Jew, very much steeped in the promises of Isaiah, how do you hear that? Um, I think that would be really hard <laughs> um, to, to reconcile that. And of course, the only way we can really understand it is that that Yes, this was meant to be a comfort to them. But we have to conclude that because of all the things that we know about since then, that the ultimate fulfillment of that still has yet to come. Still has yet to come. I mean, we either have to believe that the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy has yet to come, or God has just lied all over himself. I mean, that, that's really the only ways you can look at it because he's saying, I'm in charge. You're not going to be oppressed. You're not going to fear. Terror's not going to come near to you. I think it's interesting that they use the word terror because the news is full of terror and terrorists. We have to conclude that knowing that God is a good God, that God is for us, that that this refers to at some point in the future mainly (laughs) not that there haven't been periods of time when when this would have applied to them but but mainly in the future Um, this is what makes prophecy hard right because how do you know when it's applying to you and when it's not and I think the the same thing um, is true really for a lot of scripture today um, how we, how we um, interact with the Bible. Um, it's a very personal way and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, right? So we can often read a verse that we may be very familiar with, but on a particular day, it has a new meaning and opens up a new Understanding of who we are in connection with who God is and what He wants for us. And we have to conclude that the Holy Spirit meant that verse for you that day or that season of your life. Um, but we do have to be a little cautious on how we extrapolate that to other people, right? Um, the verse that God gave you may not be the verse that He wants you to tell everybody else, or it may. Um, I don't know, have you guys ever had that circumstance where somebody had this verse that meant so much to them and then they tried to apply it to you and it just didn't seem to fit? You know? Even though they were really enthused and well-intentioned and and clearly it had fit them but it just didn't seem to fit, you know? well, that, You know, it doesn't mean that Scripture's not true. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have unif- universal application, but um, we have to acknowledge the role of the Holy Spirit in that. We have to acknowledge that Scripture can truly mean, um, I, don't, I want to be careful here, um, there's interpretation of Scripture, there's application of Scripture, and I, I'm, I'm talking primarily about application now, uh, but I, our interpretation sometimes influences how we apply things, right? Um so knowing that this passage has a, like many passages in prophecy, has a now component and a not yet component, a future component, we have to take that into account when we apply it. I think I chased that rabbit, uh, probably as far as I need to check it. Jeez. Let's look at uh, chapter 55. The first verse, the first word says, Ho. <laughs> um, does anybody else have a different word there? Come. come. I think um, the 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 more the more colloquial version would be here. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yo. Uh, it. This is getting attention. Yo. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. Most commentators comment on all the the imperatives, the the come, you know, and um, uh, in Proverbs, you know, occasionally you'll hear uh, the concept of wisdom uh, being talked about as a person, where wisdom calls out, you know, uh, wisdom says come do this or come do that or do this or don't do that um, same sort of thing this is you know you can almost picture back in the the day uh, the market where um, a street would have been set up and everybody every little vendor has got their stalls right um, but you want to you want to get people interested in your stuff so they're saying hey come check this out I've got I've got something for you that's the concept come Yo, everyone who thirsts, comes, come to the water, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without costs. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what doesn't satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance." Incline your ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, according to the faithful mercies shown to David. All right. So this is this this is covenant talk here, right? A covenant is a promise that God makes to us, and in in most cases, maybe in all. I haven't reviewed this in a while, but um, this particular this is kind of a a one-way thing. It's not not like you have to make a deal with God. It's God's making a deal with us. Here is a promise I'm making to you. I'm going to make a covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. The Jews were already part of the Davidic covenant. So now we hear the prophet saying, Here's a new group of people that I'm inviting to join that covenant. We know that the ultimate fulfillment of the Davidic covenant was by the new and the better David. The new and the better David, of course, is Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. The new and the better David was Jesus. So here we have an enlargement of the Davidic covenant. So we're getting to share that it's being shared with that. Verse 4 it says, Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. You will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you. So this witness to the people is this servant that we've been talking about who is the seed of David. And it says, a nation you do not know. This this doesn't mean someone that you're simply not aware of. It means that this is a group of people that heretofore have not been yours. But you're going to call These people who aren't yours yet, they don't know you yet, but they're going to run to you. Because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. So, come. Come. Who gets to come? Anyone that's thirsty. Anyone that's thirsty. Those people that are thirsty, they're going to hear that call. They're going to hear that call of the seed of David, and they're going to come. Now, look at verse 6. We've heard about the come, now we've got the seeking. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Many evangelists have pointed out the fact that the the open invitation to God is not eternal open door. There's going to come a day when the invitation is closed. And there are, of course, we've got in the New Testament the parable of the, the wedding feast where, you know, the doors are closed now. All the people that wanted to come have come. And the people that came too late, they're missing out. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Clearly, there's going to come a day when the invitation isn't there anymore. Call upon him while he is near. This is clearly um, an open invitation, right? We've talked a lot in our um, more doctrine times where um, we've talked about this Interposition of God's sovereignty, where God—we talked in Ephesians where God has uh, predestined those who will become His children, where God has um, set aside those people who will become His. But then we also see throughout Scripture this notion that there's some sort of personal responsibility. We have to, we have to accept that offer, and those. Two things, although they seem crazy for us humans to put together, are no problem for God. Uh, yes, He has predestined, and yes, there are people that that are elected, and yes, we have a choice from our perspective. And that's what this is talking about here. Seek the Lord while he may be found. All right, I don't mean to interrupt you, but sure. Spring, just last night we were watching an old Billy Grail. Uh huh. And that was just his invitation. He used the passage about where the demons were sent into the swine. Okay. And uh, he said just what you just said. The invitation's not always there. Exactly. I'm sure he did it a little better than I did. <laughs> um, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now, think about this. This is kind of weird to the Jewish ear. How did the Jew come to believe that they were part of God's chosen people? because they were Jews, right? And that was reinforced by the ritual, the sacrifices, the blood on the offering, the high priest, the sacrificial uh, bull, and the the goats, and the scapegoats, and all this imagery. Um, It was all about God has chosen you. This concept of, Somebody outside of that, God abundantly pardoning, was crazy. Well, he addresses that. Verse 8. I know what you're thinking, he says. But my thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> He's kind of nipped that one in the bud, didn't he? My thought, the I know what you're thinking. That that's a paraphrase. That's my paraphrase. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. This is a familiar verse, right? Why is it a familiar verse? Because we, we don't understand, exactly. <laughs> there's so much that we don't understand. Um, there's so much that we don't understand. there is probably a part of us that wants everything explained in detail, right? Now, all right, let me get this straight. How's this going to work? What's going to happen? What's the timetable here? When can we expect? Who's next? You know, all this stuff, right? Now, think about it. How big would our Bible have to be If God explained everything in the amount of detail that we really want, right? And everybody needs different details.
1: And everybody Absolutely. needs different
0: details. Everybody needs a different version. Exactly, Don. You can't do it, right? Exactly. As she said, there are concepts that need to be explained that there really aren't words for. So sometimes you can get better understanding with a more vague description. Now, I know that sounds weird, but sometimes you can. Um, If you've ever looked at Impressionist paintings, Manet, Monet, all those guys, They called painting with light, right? Mary and I went to um, a Monet ex- exhibition uh, up in Winston-Salem several years ago. They had about 150 originals. And they would let you get within about four feet of some of these. But if you got that close, you couldn't even tell what it was. You, had to, you actually had to back up to see it, which is kind of weird considering they say Monet was pretty much blind. I don't know how that worked, but um, maybe that's kind of like what this is. This, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. Um, maybe it's vague on purpose, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in to start to fill in the gaps and to um, help us focus on the big themes. And, and when we can't understand it all the way, then maybe at least we can remember who is it that's making these promises. When we, when we don't know exactly what the future's going to be, then we can at least know that it's all going to be okay in the end. Um, the details are the details, and... Um, and maybe the reason there aren't there is because we would probably focus too much on the details and not focus on who's making the promises and who's going to make sure it all happens right. Um, how much like the average four-year-old are we? Because they have tons of questions, right? When you know, what's that for? What's that for? Why are we going to do that? What, you know, it's like, <laughs> just, just, we'll, just, you know. <laughs> That's why I took a to talk with your daddy instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. He will have compassion on him and to our God. He will abundantly pardon. Um, Let's look at a couple more verses. Verse 10 For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, make it bear and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So, just in case you have any doubt, you're not in charge of the rain. The rain comes and it does what I want it to do. my word, even more so, is going to come and it's going to do what I want it to do. a right, uh, the mm-hmm. They don't have to have a motto, but that is their purpose. Exactly. Um, the Gideons, he, he said. Um, that's the word that they've taken on faith, that if we distribute God's word, he's going to do something with it. I think, you know, our friends with uh, Jarson Wickliffe have probably taken that same verse as inspiration as well. Without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it, God's Word is going to do what God's Word wants to do. And the wonderful thing is that His Word... It includes us now. It includes us now. I don't see any of us. I don't know. Does anybody have Jewish ancestry? Cindy? I did the DNA test. Did the DNA (laughs) test. For the rest of us, you know, we're good here. You know, we're included. We're grafted in. We are the nation that he didn't know. But we heard the call. I'm going to wrap up, having covered about half of what I intended, so that we can uh, maybe get a seat and so forth. But I want you to think about what it means to be thirsty. Really thirsty. And what about this verse 2 where it says why are you buying things that aren't going to satisfy you? And how many things literal things do we buy nowadays that don't really satisfy us? Conversely how often do those fakes interfere with our thirst for the things that we should be thirsty for? Medically, this is weird. I don't know how many times you read things where they say, well, you're not drinking enough water. Why is that? Why do we not drink enough water? Some people really don't get thirsty. I don't know why that is. It's crazy. Clearly, something's going on because back then... People probably got thirsty. And we get thirsty, but not in the same way. Uh, It's crazy. So, think about what does it mean to be thirsty? What does it mean to spend money on things that don't satisfy? Let's close. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that through your servant, the better and ultimate David, Jesus, that we can accept your invitation to, to come. We thank you. We have remember living water and the bread of life, things that really satisfy. And we thank you that you have made a way to include others who didn't know you but were able to hear the call. Father, we pray for those who we know and love and work with that have not yet answered that call, and we pray that you'd help us to to, uh, appeal to them, to offer them uh, the thing that will really satisfy. Father, I pray that you'd be with us all in these coming moments, and we know that your church is your church, and we thank you for letting us be a part of it and allow us to be good and faithful stewards of it. Father, we thank you for your word and pray that you would continue to speak to it in a Holy Spirit, that you would apply it to our lives in the way that you would have it. In Jesus' name, amen.